excuse me, of the Feast of the Epiphany. <coughs> the Paramun is like a preparation uh, before the feast. So it was a unique opportunity to hear the readings of the Paramun because usually Paramun is in the middle of the week and so we don't get to hear uh, these readings in the church because it's on a Sunday, uh, more of us will get a chance uh, to read it. And all of the readings of the Paramun are sort of um, reflecting on or meditating on, reminding us of the service or the ministry of St. John the Baptist. In particular, uh, in the passage that we read in the Gospel today, he is talking to the people of Israel and he says to them, he calls them brood of vipers. He says, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? With this sentence, St. John is saying a couple things. First, he's telling the, the crowd very bluntly that they are in a rotten, bad condition. You are a brood of vipers. For them, when you hear the word brood of vipers, what, what should they think of? They will think of Genesis. They will think of Satan who came to Adam and Eve as a serpent. So it's the same as them as St. John saying to them, you're devils, as if you are devils. This is what he's saying. Second, St. John the Baptist is warning them that there's going to be wrath coming to them from God. God is going to bring judgment on Satan and all of the people who are working in Satan's uh, dominion. And he's saying that the Messiah is coming, that his winnowing fork is in his hand, and he's going to clear his threshing floor and gather the wheat into his barns, and the chaff is going to burn away with unquenchable fire. So there's wheat and there's chaff. There's sons of God and there are the sons of the viper. And they're going to be gathered. And St. John is telling, warning the people that Christ is going to come to gather. The third thing is, St. John mentions that there is an escape from this wrath. You can flee from it. The vipers actually are fleeing in the right direction. In the beginning he said, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? They're going in the right direction. Where are they going? They're going to baptism. They're going to the baptism of repentance for forgiveness of their sins. So when God forgives sins, the same thing, He's also doing something else, He is removing His wrath. There's no more condemnation for the people who repent and for people who receive forgiveness. And then in verse 8, He says something unique. He says, He's trying to give these people who are trying to repent a message. He's saying that, don't say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. Don't say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. Don't let the old serpent, the devil, deceive you and say, I have no need of repentance. I have no need to change myself. I remember the covenant that God made with our father Abraham, that I'm going to establish a covenant between me and you. And your descendants are going to be more than the sand of the sea. And that they're going to be an everlasting covenant between God and to you and your descendants forever. And I'm going to give you the land that you're going to sojourn in the land of Canaan. And there is this covenant promise between Abraham and God. And so John the Baptist is saying, don't say to yourselves that we have Abraham as our father, that that's going to be enough. St. John is warning them that this line of reasoning is a big mistake. A person should never think that any merely human distinction can obligate or force God to bless. The Jewish people are a great lesson to all of us who tend to rely on anything for salvation other than the mercy of God and our turning towards Him. St. John gives the reason why 
the Jews shouldn't just rely on the fact that they're Jewish, that they're the sons of Abraham. He says, if I tell you, God is able to raise up from these stones children to Abraham. What is God trying to, or what is St. John the Baptist trying to say? First, he's agreeing with, with the Jews in one thing. He's agreeing that God said, I'm going to bless the children of Abraham, therefore they must be blessed. Because God's word is not going to fail. They agree, both St. John the Baptist and the Jewish people, that God's word can't fail. There will always be children of Abraham to inherit the promise. But the second thing that St. John is saying is there's a big disagreement with the Jews if they start to rely just on the fact that they are children of Abraham. That they disagree about the freedom and the power of God. Some of the Jews think that by mere fact that they are the sons of Abraham, they have God on their side. He has to bless them. He can't pour out wrath on them because he always keeps his word. So it doesn't matter if they're finally repentant or not. They're not relying on God's mercy, but they're not relying on their own sort of ethnic distinction. What they fail to see and what St. John is trying to wake them up to is that God is not as boxed in as they think he is. He's able to both keep his promise to Abraham and to put a stop to their boasting in their physical descent from Abraham. How? He can wipe them out in his wrath and he can raise up out of nothing a new people for himself who are going to bear fruits of repentance. What the Jewish people had forgotten is I shouldn't trust in the kind of tree I am if there are not fruits that are worthy of repentance are going to be destroyed. Doesn't matter if the tree is Jewish, doesn't matter if the tree is Gentile. What matters is the repentance and its fruit. So what are the Jewish people being called to turn to, away from and what are they being called to turn to? It's crazy that such a people who had God in their consciousness at all times, who believed that God would keep His promises to them, could still be called a brood of vipers and to be threatened with God's wrath. It's a message for us today. Those of us who are members of the church, those of us who attend church regularly, who call ourselves Christians, that we feel maybe this same sense of false security. We have to look carefully to see where is repentance in my life and what I need to also do to flee the coming wrath. Repentance is turning away from sin and turning towards the mercy of God in the hope of salvation. St. John says in this gospel, bear fruits worthy of repentance. And then he starts to talk about what shall we do? The people ask him, what should we do? You say for us, we want to bear fruits of repentance. What should we do? And he, and he starts to explain, genuine repentance is of the nature that it sort of produces these sort of attitudes and actions. He refers to a couple of different groups of people. First, in verse 10, he goes to the multitudes when the people said to him, what shall we do then? He answered and said to them, he who has two tunics, let him give to him who has none. And he who has food, let him do likewise. He's saying to them that they need to give. And if you look later, he talks to the tax collectors. He says, what should we do? And he says, collect no more that is appointed to you. And then the soldiers come and say, what should we do? He says, do not intimidate anyone or accuse falsely and be content with your wages. So now he puts all of them on what? Equal ground. They all have something to do. And actually, they all have something to do with their possessions. St. John is trying to teach a lesson. When a person turns to God's mercy in repentance, he can no longer hate his neighbor. Why does this have to do with loving or hating your neighbor? Who did he talk to? First he talked to the people, then he talks to the tax collectors, then he talks to the soldiers. Imagine, do the people 
like the tax collectors or the soldiers? No. The tax collectors are hated by everybody because they take advantage of them and they steal money from them. The soldiers are hated by everyone because they are a, pre- they are a symbol of the Roman oppression of the Jewish people. But he puts them all on the same level. They are all in need. And St. John is trying to give us a lesson. When a person turns to God's mercy in repentance, he can no longer hate his neighbor. It's impossible to cherish, to value God's mercy, and at the same time refuse to show it to somebody else. Suzanne is saying, therefore, one of the fruits that is worthy of repentance is growing unity. Repentance should penetrate the barriers that separate classes, races, cliques. Therefore, the church, above all institutions, should be free of cliques and groups of people who are unwilling or uninviting, uninviting to outsiders. Then he starts listing the things, like I said, that St. John gives to the three groups to do. He says to the, to the multitude, he who has two coats, let him share with one who has none. He who has food, let him do likewise. And tax collector says, don't collect anything more than appointed to you. And the soldiers, he says, don't intimidate people and be content with your wages. When you think of all the things that St. John could have told all of the people, all the sort of messages that he should have, could have given to them, or that the message that St. Luke could have recorded, all three cases, St. John is referring to their possessions, their things, their money. We see it again and again, actually, especially in the Gospel of St. Luke, that faith in God, that reliance on His mercy, hope in His promises, changes how we handle our money and how we handle our possessions. There's a fundamental reason for that. Later on in the Gospel of St. Luke, our Lord Jesus Christ says, where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. You can tell where a man's heart is resting by the way he handles his money, by the attitude he has towards his possessions. If his heart is resting in the mercy of God, then you have the same lifestyle that St. John is exhorting here in verses 10 through 14. Notice there's a difference between the words that he says to the crowd, words to the tax collectors, and then to the soldiers. The crowds are told to give away part of what they have. If you have clothing and food, someone needs it, you should help them. You should share it. But the tax collectors and soldiers are told, just don't take more than what you're supposed to do. Be content with what you have. The reason for this difference is probably that when addressing a crowd, you don't get to know what the specific person is doing and what their specific temptations are that go with them. And so you aim sort of at, St. John is aiming at general opportunities for compassion and for benevolence so that they can all bear the fruit of this repentance of sacrificial generosity. But when you're addressing a specific group of people that is notorious for a specific type of abuse, the tax collectors were known. How did they make their money? They collected taxes and then they would put some level of money above that number so that they can collect more money for themselves. Whatever they can collect above what is due to the Roman government, they can keep for themselves. So they would take advantage of people. Same thing with the soldiers. The soldiers had a lot of rights to, to bug and bully the average person. So this was their temptation. The temptation was the same for both of those professions. To use their power to indulge their love of money by exploiting other people. Why is this contrary to the mercy of God? Two reasons. When I'm going after money in this way, it reveals an insecurity and a discontentment that God is not going to provide for my needs. Remember when St. Paul says in Hebrews, Be content with what you have, for I will neither leave you nor forsake you. 
The other reason that exploiting others to get more money is contrary to the reliance on God's mercy is because it itself is unmerciful. If I really trust in God's mercy to save me, to help me at all times, then I value mercy and I cherish it. But if I really love mercy, then I'm going to live mercy as well. Mercy with my possessions. And so, negatively, the fruit that is bearing repentance is, or that does not bear repentance, is the refusal to be generous. And the fruit that doesn't bear repentance is the refusal to exploit, or that does bear repentance, the refusal to exploit anyone to get more money or more things. We have to have a willingness to give of our possessions. A willingness. God sh shows us today in the passage that St. John is calling a very simple thing, to change my heart. Change my heart to be one of generosity. I need to bear fruits of repentance. It's not enough for me to say to God, I'm sorry. The things that I've been doing is wrong. The way I've been living is wrong. But actually, I need more than this. More than this, I need to act on these feelings. These feelings of sorrow, this feeling of remorse. To bear fruits of repentance. May God allow us, being the tree and the fruit of His vine, to bear fruits of repentance. And glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. John, uh, uh.